welcome to the Mailbox Rogues Gallery. My name's Birch. My name's Sean. Hello. Oh, we're doing this again. Yes, we are. <laughs> we did this last week. Yes, we did. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, well, hello. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm Have very... you any funny anecdotes to, to tell me before we start? Uh, not really. Uh, this podcast is the highlight of my life. I thought as much, yeah. I, we'll just plough on then, will we? Yeah, let's. So this is uh, part two of our Beatles extravaganza. Our Beatles duology, a word you taught me in a previous episode. Yeah, in reference to the <laughs> Nutty Professor films. Exactly, yeah. Um, so this is part two. We we last left those, those crazy lads from Liverpool um, around about the mid-60s. We're going to pick up... And finish off the last part of their career. That's right. Now, if if you've not listened to part one, what are you doing here? Yeah, go, go back, back and listen. Yeah. It laid some very important groundwork. I feel. In yeah, the last episode. you'll be completely lost just yeah, listening like you, this. You probably won't know anything about them. The overarching narrative will just be lost on you. So go back and listen, and uh, download it a couple of times because it helps us. Yeah, yeah, get those figures up. So we're now at the uh, the, the mid sixties, where we uh, previously let off, uh, left off. A little recap. They found fame, or rather infamy, in Hamburg, got a bit better as a band, and were introduced to drugs. Yeah, that's pretty much all we covered, actually, last week, now that I think about it. Maybe people don't have to go back and listen to the previous (laughs) episode. So, we're in the mid-60s. Of course, uh, at this point... uh, Heady, heady days, mid-60s. very heady days. And uh, at this point, um, of course, Paul McCartney died. Uh, Oh, I'm quite surprised that you've said that, because... He didn't die, did he? Because the Beatles were, you know, he's still alive today and everything. Well, you say that, but there are some people who believe that uh, he, in fact, died in a car crash in uh, 1966. You being one of these people. Absolutely. Uh, Okay, but if he died, how come he's still alive? They've got a Paul lookalike who uh, pretended to be him. They've got a Paul alike. They've got a Paul alike. The the government, MI5... They uh, had a whole string of these Beatle clones right. just in case something like this would happen. So um, they literally just said, I'll get Paul alike number 0001, brought him out, said, right, you're going to be Paul McCartney now for the rest of your life. Right. That is your existence. That's what you're going to do. And he's like, yeah, okay, fine. So they kind of place him at the car crash that just happened. And he wakes up. Oh, I'm Paul. What's going on? And that's that's what he's been doing for them. So he knows he's not really Paul. Yeah, it's a facade that he's been living for the past 50-odd years. Right, okay. I'm shocked, to be honest. But he's doing a great job of it, I will say. He's been doing a great job. Oh, well, if you think about it, we've known this Paul far much more than we've known the other Paul. I think in that case, I prefer this Paul. Yeah, and like, what did the other one do? Well, and you've got to say, um, most of Paul McCartney's best songwriting years have been post the Beatles, I e- would say. Exactly. Wings, Wings yeah. Yeah. Wings, um, Band on the Run, one album. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, the Frog Chorus. We can't forget that. I do keep forgetting about that (laughs) until you remind me periodically. Anybody hasn't heard Paul McCartney's Frog Chorus, Google it. For Rupert the Bear. Charming little song. Yeah, lovely. But the evidence is there, Sean, that he uh, died. For instance, the uh, Abbey Road album cover very famous. If you notice, uh, you look at the four of them crossing mm. the uh, the zebra crossing on Abbey Road. Yeah. Paul is uh, the only one not wearing shoes. That's true, yeah. Now, do you mean to tell me that that's not a sign that he died in 1966 and was replaced with a clone? It's difficult to claim that he didn't die once you see once you're faced with that sort of evidence. 
he's out of step with everybody else as well, isn't he? Another thing as well that I saw when I was having a look at this kind of like Paul is dead conspiracy mm. um, in Strawberry Fields, a lot of people thought that they heard I buried Paul. Is that John Lennon saying that? Yeah. Right. John Lennon saying that I buried Paul. But John Lennon in an interview said that the line, rather than I buried Paul, was cranberry sauce. Now, I've not listened to the song in ages. I'm very curious after this uh, recording session. I'm going to go back and listen uh, just to see how someone could confuse I buried Paul with cranberry sauce. I'm, I'm interested to know why he was thinking about cranberry sauce more than anything. I can't remember him saying cranberry sauce in, in that song, but, you know, I saw it on, on the internet, so it's got to be yeah. true. Well, most of Sergeant Pepper's is about marmalade jam, so I go. I suppose it makes sense, doesn't it? That's right, and to be fair, I love putting a bit of buried Paul on my turkey at Christmas. Mm, yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> buried Paul. <laughs> so, can we just have the final word on the matter? Paul is dead, Paul isn't dead. Um, the original Paul, dead. Definitely. New Paul, live and kicking. Love and life. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. And um, so what What do you think happened to all those other Paul clones in that facility that MO6 was running? Do you think they were just like uh, let loose upon the world? Like, um, I Well, I don't know because we've not seen any. And of course, George Harrison is also dead. And so is John Lennon. And they, they didn't think to, to kind of like to bring that... out clones for them. No. Maybe that was just kind of very... No, people know that they're dead. There's no way we can get away with this. Yeah, yeah. I just like to think that there's a, a farm somewhere in the idyllic green pastures of all these Paul McCartney clones just bouncing around and chewing on the grass. And Yeah, well, he'd I love that anyway, wouldn't yeah. he? He does anyway. It's, it, I just feel like that. that's a really lovely image of all these Pauls. I have a very... Living lo- in harmony. I have a very... Even better than that, I think, is like this, this idea of this island of Ringo's. Oh, yeah. Okay, I like that like too. Like the young Ringo, where he's just always jolly and always smiley. Yeah, um, he's wearing that silly train driver's hat. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And um, yeah, they're kind of like taking in turns who's the kind of like the fat controller. Some of them are dressed up as little carriages yeah, going Thomas. around on this island. Oh, that's a very sweet image. And then he can always narrate Thomas the Tank Engine for, for eternity. Which is what he really wants, deep in his soul, I feel. Deep down in his soul. Yeah, that's sweet. Imagine if they formed a band, though. Imagine a Beatles, but they're all Ringo. <laughs> well, they'd all, it would just be a, a very percussive group. Well, yeah. I mean, he was a songwriter as well. He did write Octopus's Garden. That's true. Yeah, he did do that, yeah. He could do a whole album of um, Sea Creature Gardens. He could do Lobster's Garden. He could do Squid's Garden. That's very similar to Octopus's Garden. Mm. Um, he could do... Seabass's Garden. Seabass's Garden. Starfish's Garden. Shark's Garden. Oh, the world is his oyster. Oyster's Garden. Oyster's Garden. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, you know, I'm not asserting any of this as fact. I'm just, I'm just saying it's a lovely little dream I have for, yeah. for Ringo and for Paul. Well, to the to the government, if they're listening to this, just free the clones, free the clones, people. Yeah, yeah. That's a. I feel we should start a hashtag. <laughs> hashtag free, free the clones. Yeah. Oh, let's get that going. We'll start gonna... a Twitter movement. Yeah. For God's sake, it's it's 2018. Let these bloody clones free. Yeah. So that's so we've established that that Paul died and was replaced. Um, mm. But nevertheless, Paul Two, as we'll call the clone that replaced him, yeah, um, did a fabulous job, and the Beatles carried on a good while after that, releasing albums, making music. Yeah, the the latter half of their career 
definitely a lot more experimental, not just your typical kind of verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus kind of thing. Started going into other instruments, other sounds and things like that. You could say that was influenced partially by the, the drugs that they started taking. The illegal drugs. Don't forget to mention that. Very illegal. I don't want anybody to come away from this and start thinking that drugs are cool. No, it, yeah, you might have like a group of young people that consider themselves... Just four crazy kids They might from think Liverpool. of themselves as four crazy kids. They might even be from Liverpool, just yeah. four likely lads. And they might think, oh, we want to be like the Beatles too, you know. Bump off one of our mates we in a car like crash. We want to be like the Beatles too. We want to be like the Beatles too. Yeah, they might uh, say. Might so, they say. And then they're just kind of like hanging out in mine shafts, killing one of their mates in, in a car crash, and then just smoking all this illegal drugs. Yeah. And, and I just want to say categorically, that's not cool. I mean, it might be a gateway to fame and fortune, but is it worth it? Yeah, is it, is it worth it, really? Is, is all that power, love and influence? Adoration. Yeah. Infamy. And the fun times that you would have on those drugs. Oh, is, yeah. Is it, is it really worth doing? Now, hang on. Oh, hang now on. that you've put it like that. Yeah. Uh... Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to this. It's, a, gr- like... it's a grey area. Yeah, I feel like me and you maybe need to have a bit of a... We, we can experiment with that and then report our findings maybe in next week's episode. Yeah, perhaps okay. we can. Yeah. But anyway... The fact remains, they were becoming more experimental. And one of the things that influenced this experimentation was uh, uh, a trip that they took, one that I hadn't really heard of before. They went to uh, Bangor. Bangor in Wales? or Yeah, in Wales. Like, famously, there's, like, uh, a lot about them kind of, like, being in India. But before that, they actually went to a, a seminar on transcendental meditation from the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi Bear. Okay, yeah. Um, who they also met in, in India. But they went to a seminar that he did in Bangor. Is this true? This is 100% true. Oh, wow. I, I'd never heard of this right. before. Just like, well, So what was the Maharishi doing in Wales? Oh, you know, just like taking in the scenery. Right, okay, uh, yeah. Getting a stick of rock. Um, oh, yeah, lovely scenery. Oh, yeah, beautiful, views, yeah. Views to die for. Yeah, he, uh, as I recall, he took home a, a nice box of shortbread. Uh, on it after his visit. Mm, lovely. A couple of postcards with like some hills in them. Maybe like a little uh, sheep frig- fridge magnet. Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, the Beatles, uh, kind of like had some kind of interest in, I guess, transcendental meditation and opening up their minds. So they went there to to Bangor to to see this seminar. Um, also there were Mick Jagger of the of the Rolling Stones. I've heard of him. Yep. And Scylla Black. Really? Well. Yeah. Of, of the, uh, also of the Rolling Stones. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Of okay. uh, and of uh, Blind Date fame. Oh yes, that's it. There, that's what she's really famous for. That's right. So they uh, they went there. This was in August of '67. She was a fellow Scouser, wasn't she, Scylla? She was. Yeah. As she often regaled, oh, I spent a lot of time with them down in the Cavern Club. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like every story that I an interview uh. is like, yeah, we get the fucking picture. You saw them. <laughs> you happened to be young around that time in Liverpool. Well done. <laughs> So they all went there. God rest her soul. Oh, yes, yes. God rest her soul. Um, But, yeah, so 1967 this was. Summer of love. Everyone was kind of, like, off experimenting uh, with, like, drugs and sex and, like, uh, being free. Mm. But what it sounds like is the Beatles spent the summer in love going on a coach trip to Bangor with Scylla Black. I mean, it sounds like one hell of a coach trip. (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember that TV show, Coach Trip? And it was like a game show, and they had to like couple up and vote people off. 
I know the title. I've I've never watched it. It's a bit like Come Dine with Me, but on a coach. Okay, yeah. Minus food, but um, yeah, I'd love to see an episode of that with the Beatles and Silla Black. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> on their way to see the Maharashi. <laughs> yeah, they all gang up and vote Ringo off first. I reckon. But it's just such a odd image. Like, firstly, it's a, a Maharishi in Bangor, Wales. Yeah. That's oh, and he he did a seminar. It must have been in like a little village hall, probably on like a kind of a, a damp Sunday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> He's there talking. He's like, what the bloody hell is he talking about? <laughs> yeah, it sounds great though. And they were very influenced by this, which is when famously they uh, went to India. Although in my studying of uh, of, of the Beatles and, and this event. It's uh, kind of a bit misreported. They they didn't actually go with the Maharishi to India. They actually spent a few months in, in an Indian restaurant. Oh, is that it? Yeah. That is quite severely misreported, because mm. I always thought they went to India. No, well... Were they yeah, just working in the kitchen, were they? Yeah, they were just, like, working in the kitchen. Like, one of them was a waiter. Paul's um, the waiter. I reckon... Uh, who's the chef? Is that George? Yeah, I reckon... Yeah, George is the chef, because he's kind of the one in the back doing great work but he doesn't get as much props as he should so he goes washing pots definitely yeah Ringo's washing the pots john's managing the place yeah he's yeah he's the leader it's quite an operation they've got there yeah yeah but it really uh really opened up their eyes you know cooking those dishes and, and working in a, in a restaurant after all those years of being like the most famous people on the planet it really kind of Brought them to their roots. Well, you know what? They're just four crazy kids from Liverpool. Just, just four likely lads from Liverpool. And sometimes it helped to be reminded of their, of their roots by starting and running an Indian restaurant. Absolutely. Well, God bless them. I feel like it was a very, very good uh, step for them. Yeah. But after the Indian restaurant, they kind of thought, this is good, this. Maybe we should actually go to India. You know, we like korma. So I'm sure we'll love India. Yeah, well, I mean, um, it's the obvious, it's the next obvious logical step once you've successfully run an Indian restaurant. Definitely. So they went there. Uh, and was that mainly for like culinary tips to pick up some more recipes, some more ideas, maybe a new type of dal that they hadn't heard of? Yeah, mainly. Yeah, they wanted to kind of, uh, they wanted to make sure that the onion badgies that they were making in particular, sometimes when you make them, they can get a bit greasy a bit stodgy mm. they wanted to make them nice and crispy and, and authentic as well absolutely authenticity was very important to the them the spices and the flavors and and what better place to go than to india itself i mean the saffron that they get over there i imagine it's completely different from what you'd get in liverpool i would imagine so yeah as, as much as those two places are, are compared constantly liverpool and india there are definitely still some differences as yeah well. liverpool Delhi. You say them in the same sentence all the time, don't you? They're just hand in hand, they go together. Hmm. Particularly if you are in a Liverpool deli. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so they went there for an, they also went there for enlightenment uh, to try and find peace. Because um, their manager, when while they were in Bangor, Brian Epstein, he died when, when oh, they were there. That's rubbish. It was bad, yeah. And so I guess it was kind of a way for them was to. Was that from a really hot curry? Yeah, they um they he went in. He's like, oh, I see, you see, your lads are doing well, and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's just not too bad. Business is booming, and uh, he's like, oh, go on, I'll have, I'll have a curry. He, he did the kind of tradition, you, you kind of your classic mistake. He came in, he'd had a few beers. Get me the other thing on the menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you really should. It's like, no, nah, go on. And it was one of those places like you hear about where you have to sign something before you eat it. There are some like Indian restaurants. I've never heard of that. Really? Yeah. Now, there are some like uh, Indian restaurants where the curry is so hot, they some customers have to like sign 
a certain thing. Like but a waiver. Basically, yeah, just wow. to say anything that happens to you is your fault. We told you that this is a hot fucking curry. <laughs> yeah. So if you explode in front of us, that is your problem. Um, uh, and so he, he signed that. He didn't care. He'd had a few Stellas and uh, tackled this curry. And yeah, he just shat himself away. Wow. What a way to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he died doing what he loved, though. Yeah. Eating curry and having a dump. So I suppose they probably, yeah, they were probably quite sad about his passing, but not so sad. I feel like they knew that he died doing what he loved. Yeah, definitely. And then they went to India, I guess, as a kind of tribute to him, also to learn more about food and to become more enlightened. It's quite funny. There were a, there was a no drugs and no alcohol policy from the Maharishi when they went there. Is that right? Yeah, mm. which... They didn't pay a blind bit of notice to. No, no. Took LSD. Scoundrels. Taking LSD, smoking marijuana. One thing I do find funny, when I was looking at it, they basically, all four of them went there. And it was saying how long some of them stayed there for. Ringo lasted 10 days. Really? Yeah. That's not much of a holiday. No, not really. No, usually you need a place like India. You can do with a couple of weeks just to kind of get the lay of the land. Yeah, I feel like any holiday I've had that's only been 10 days just because... I don't have enough money to stay somewhere long enough. Yeah. I feel like he was probably doing quite well. He could probably stay longer than that. Well, you're spending like two of those days traveling to and from the place. Yeah. So, so he wasn't really getting much out of it. He probably wasn't even acclimatized to the to the temperature by that point. No, he didn't know where he was. He was just like, well, he went there because he heard that their railway system is like on point. We just, know he's into trains. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of commute by train there. So obviously that's that was his main draw. Basically, mm. he's a train spotter. Yeah. But no, he'd had enough. He, once he'd seen the trains, he was like, oh, they're packed. Can't even get on this. You can't even see any train. Yeah. Just people outside and inside of the train. So he left. I love this. He was quoted as... Uh, this is this was his description of his 10 days he spent in India um, with the Maharishi. Not something many people get to experience. No, never. So he went there and he likened it to a kind of spiritual butlins. <laughs> How would he say it then? This is just the kind of spiritual butlins. I like that. Yeah. I feel like he's selling the nation a little bit down the river there. I think <laughs> he's selling it short. Well, I don't know if he was calling India itself a spiritual butlins, but maybe the place in India that he went to. Well, did he go to a butlins though? Because butlins, I, I'm just assuming they have them in India. Did he actually go to a butlins? Um, well, yeah, that's where the Maharishi is based. So I, I guess... You could say that he did go to a spiritual. Is, is the Martin Harishi a redcoat? He is. He's yeah, a Butlins redcoat. That's He's... really interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that about him. Maharishi Yogi Bear is a Butlins redcoat. I mean, I've always found a lot of spiritual solace any time I've been to a Butlins, and I always see them as spiritual leaders. So yeah, it uh, makes perfect sense to me. But they wrote a load of songs while they were over there. Most of the White Album, which we can talk about as well in a minute, because that was quite an interesting recording session but some of their jangliest music the jangliest the indianest of their songs well all written in india makes sense really yeah it does mm. it does make sense and uh john and george they ended up leaving because they found out that the the maharishi was uh, a bit of a bit of a rogue himself you could say oh yeah uh despite like having a vow of celibacy they'd uh he had sex with both john and george did he uh, that's right, yeah. Wow, okay, no wonder they left. <laughs> <laughs> they were a bit embarrassed about the whole thing. They didn't know what was going on at the time, and oh. they just kind of said, right, we're out of here. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, But he'd um, 
tried it on with like Mia Farrow. Oh, really? Yeah, she was there as well, like on this same trip. What a journey. What a trip. Yeah, no Scylla, though. She didn't fancy going. She didn't. She could make it. Oh, right. Uh, she was She was putting in the prep work for Blind Date, I feel. Yeah, I feel like most of her career leading up to Blind Date was prep work for Blind Date. Decades in the making, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to find the right voice for that voiceover guy. That's right, trying to find the right couples. Yeah, who, oh, yeah. Who hadn't been born at that point, but still, she was searching. And uh, so at this point, Ringo, John and George have left. So does that mean it's only Paul? I oh, know Paul had left before uh, John and George. I think didn't... Didn't Paul leave just because he couldn't get his cans of Stella that he usually liked? Yeah, well, that's why he named his daughter Stella McCartney, because he famously loves a can of Stella. Yeah. And, yeah, he realised that they, they didn't have it over there. They were just like, don't be daft, mate. You have tiger beer with a curry. Yeah, of and, course. It's and, less carbonated. Yeah. You can drink more of it with a curry. Exactly. But he he was just like, no, I don't want my tiger beer. I want my bloody Stella. That's why he kept going, Stella! <laughs> yeah, that's, right. Yeah. that's right. That's what he would scream constantly. But no, he searched high and low, but he could not find a single can of the stuff. So he's just like, oh, this is, I've had enough. I'm going back to England, John. George. Maharishi. <laughs> Maharishi. <laughs> you dirty sort. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> <laughs> going back to Scylla. So these four crazy Beatles, they've yeah. had a lovely little holiday to India. Mm. Uh, what do they get up to next? Well, like I said, they'd kind of written a few songs. They'd taken a few drugs. So they were ready to uh, go and record an album, which would go on to be known as The White Album. And if I remember, that's because they had this really lovely uh, picture of the, four, of the four of them for the album cover. They'd all posed. It taken a long time to get their hair all right. And then... Um, the courier who was taking the picture to the record company um, accidentally dropped it in a, a tin of white paint mm. on the way there. That's right. And he just went, oh, I'm in so much trouble. You know what? I'll just deliver it as it is. Chucked it down on the desk. Splap. Bit of uh, white paint goes everywhere. But the people are like, you know what? This is brilliant. This is iconic. Yeah. And it was originally called The, the Best of the Beatles featuring Scylla Black. Yeah. Uh, the record company was just like, well, we just call it the White Album. Yeah. Iconic. Get, get rid of Scylla. Which is a sad thing, I guess, but... You yeah, know. well, as we've discussed, she really needed to concentrate more on Blind Date at that point. That's fair enough. No, that is fair enough. So they went back to record that album, and this is really where you can kind of see the, the, the tension within the band during this recording session. I mean, you have to remember, Sean, they were just four likely lads just from crazy Liverpool. crazy kids from Liverpool, yeah. But they were just becoming four lads who didn't like each other from Liverpool. <laughs> And like most lads from Liverpool, that's right. Yeah, they were becoming more like the people of their homestead, um, but it didn't help the band, sadly. And uh, when you talk about the tension, um, mm. what a lot of people don't realise is that the four of them were uh, rarely in the same room with each other. They they yeah. were at each other's throats, and actually, um, they had separate recording studios in separate continents. Um, so Ringo was in South America, mm. George was in Africa. Yeah. Um, you'd think he would have been the one that went to India, but that's confusing. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't do that. Paul was in Mongolia and uh, John was in Alaska. And, uh, that's, you can tell you, sometimes you can hear it on the album. You can really hear the distance between them. Yeah. Well, like the, particularly the Mongolian throat warbling. Yeah. It, it, I would say it transformed the sound of the band. Yeah, definitely. Well, a lot of people said that the White Album is very much 
four solo albums just stuck into one album. And, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm sure the, the different continents helped with that. But when they did all record in the same studio, even then they were still recording separately. Like it, they were doing their own music and then overdubbing it. You wouldn't have like Ringo and Paul and that all in the same room jamming they along. They weren't jamming. They weren't jamming together, no. And one of the reasons for the kind of tension in the band was, uh, of course, uh, Yoko Ono. Who? Oh, right. Um, uh, You said you'd done your research before this. I lied, and as per usual, I did no research on the topic that we chose to talk about. Okay, well, ju- just... Uh, to... sh- is that obvious from the fact I don't know who Yoko Ono is? Yeah, it's pretty obvious, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry, you've caught me red-handed there. All right, well, you know... You know, for next time now. Okay, yeah. Um, I promise I'll research Yoko Ono next time. Okay, well, well, just to make you aware, uh, she's a visual artist Mm. who John Lennon was uh, quite smitten with. Oh, yeah. Uh, He'd met her a few years before. In in Bangor? In Wales? Yeah, well, she's from from Wales. You can tell by her name. It's a very Welsh name. It is a very Welsh name, yeah, I was going to say that. Yoko Ono. Yeah, Yoko Ono. Yeah, she was like a, a sheep farmer from Wales. And they kind of like hit it off straight away. And this was like while he was with his wife as well. He was kind of like seeing her eventually the marriage with, with his wife. Uh, with Scylla. Scylla Lennon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Letting known as Scylla Black. Yeah, it just it just wasn't working out. Like when, when, when she heard that the pair of them were having an affair, she just went, surprise, surprise, like that. <laughs> and like she she kind of, she was distraught. I bet, yeah. And yeah, that just like ended badly. But he he went running back to to Yoko Ono. They ended up being together, and he'd like she'd be in the recording studio every day, and it just drove the rest of them bonkers. She'd bring all her sheep in with her as well, wouldn't she? She'd go, oh, I'm just I'm just stopping through because it's a bit wet outside. So bring all these soggy, yeah. smelly sheep shitting all over the recording studio. Yeah, no, that's that's right. I mean, you can respect her decision, her being a farmer. But at the end of the day, she's got to do what's best for the flock. Exactly. She's got to do what's best for the flock. But she just doesn't realise that bringing sheep into a recording studio with the biggest band of the time, it just was detrimental to to the music and and the overall vibe. Yeah, well, you know, sheep, good for a woolly jumper, Mm. bad for making a record. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Maybe if they're going for something quite pastoral. Mm, but, yeah. but that wasn't what they were going for. They'd just come back from India. Yeah, yeah. I also like, during that period, um, because there was just so much tension in, in the, the band and recording, like, there was a few instances where, like, the, the engineers would be talking about Paul's vocals, and he'd kind of say to them, well, why don't you come in here and sing it then? Just, like, really childish. And then, like, the engineers would be like, so, sorry, I can't hear you. There's too much sheep barring in the, the, the studio. What what did you say there? Well, I said, bah, bah, bah. Just like communication breakdown. Yeah, that is no way to make an album. And Ringo, because everything was like kind of going to shit there, he went on holiday to Sardinia during the recording session. Is that right? That is true, yeah. That is a bad planned holiday. <laughs> yeah, that was a very quick, a very quick just flight. Just like, I've had enough. I'm going to Sardinia. Of all places. Should have gone to bloody banger to return the sheep. He should have. He should have taken them with him, yeah. That would have helped, I'm sure, with the tension. Yeah. But no, he went to... I read he went to banger for like... No, to Sardinia, sorry, for like a few months. What can you do there for a <laughs> yeah. few months? 
Oh, I don't know. I'm sure it's nice. Nice climate. Yeah, I guess. Trying out all the local curries. Looking at all the trains. They might have trains in Sardinia. So you could definitely say this marked the beginning of the end of the Beatles. Well, obviously a very significant milestone for the band. So as we all know, unfortunately, the biggest band in the world, the Fab Four. Just four likely lads. Just four crazy four kids from Liverpool. Just four lads from Liverpool. That's a, but unfortunately they did break up. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, as I recall it, uh, the last straw was when one of Yoko's sheep ate Paul McCartney's curry, sat on his desk. Yeah, he'd, he'd perfected the recipe while he was over there. He just kind of like a little little scientist in the kitchen just with all these spices and herbs and everything and he's like i've made the perfect dish yeah and uh, to be fair he did leave it out in the recording studio with all these sheep going around mm. i mean if the sheep didn't have it one of the recording engineers probably would have um but he went he's, he just said that's it you know i'm done and uh that was if i recall he slaughtered most of the sheep to make himself a nice woolly jumper and then that pissed off yoko Mm. which pissed off John. Mm. I'm not sure if you mentioned, but George was madly in love with John. Mm. Um, so then George got upset. Yeah. And then, well, Ringo didn't really know what was going on. No, well, he just got back from holiday, hadn't yeah, he? Yeah, he comes, he comes back and he's like... <laughs> what I miss, lads? Yeah, he puts his suitcases <laughs> down and he's like, I'm home. <laughs> Room full of sheep blood and carcasses and people bickering and arguing, just like, yeah, come back at the right time. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it was... It was always going to be a dramatic ending. Yeah, well, I mean, they did a couple more albums after the White Album, but the damage had been done. Yeah, like we say, beginning of the end. But they uh, they had one last hurrah on a on a rooftop. Wasn't that the name of their final album? One last hurrah on a rooftop. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was a beautiful album. The title track in particular was uh, was was dynamite. Just kind of detailing them having one last hurrah on a rooftop. Yeah, and it wasn't. <sighs> It, it was aptly titled, but also not, because they were all into base jumping. So actually, the last hurrah was when they all parachuted off the building, mm. landed on the ground, high-fived, and then went, right, that's it, guys, going our separate ways. Yeah, that was that was uh, really amazing. It was also like the, the last track on the album. It was quite musical at first, and then the last track is literally just whoosh, gushing wind, and you're wondering, what the hell's going on? And you slowly realise as the track develops... Hang on a minute. They're base jumping from that roof. They've taken all their instruments with them as well. They're still going. Oh yeah, you could still yeah, they were still playing along, but yeah, it was yeah. mostly wind that could it's, be heard. It was quite hard to to keep time, I imagine, for Ringo in general, let alone base mm. jumping. Yeah, so they uh, landed. Landed you... and then disbanded. Landed, disbanded. But do you think they what well, why do you think they, they chose to play on a roof then? Rather than in say a venue? I don't know, because if you think about a roof it's not a very flat surface. They were kind of stood on like Oh, it a... wasn't a flat roof then? No, it wasn't a flat right. roof at all. No, they were just stood on like this this, this guy's house. like and, and this person, he just kind of... It was very early in the morning as well. And they were... He just like heard like these people setting up their instruments. And he's just like, what, what the bloody hell's that? He's, he's, what he's the like bloody hell's that? A slate tile goes past his bedroom window. Deirdre, come quick. Slate's falling off roof. There's beetles on roof. <laughs> He looks out his bedroom window, sees all these people like snapping pictures, yeah. thinking the dirty bastard's taking pictures of my wife. And so he storms out there in his dressing gown. He's like, what the bloody hell are you He's doing? He's still got his nightcap on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Got a bollock hanging out. And he's just... <laughs> 
He's like, what the bloody hell are you doing? And and they're all just kind of like looking up at his roof. And he's like, what the bloody hell? And then he turns around, sees the Beatles playing on These his roof. These four hairy blokes wearing suits. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And he just, he couldn't believe it. He was, I mean, he wasn't a fan. He was an old guy. And he was just trying to get some sleep, enjoying his, his twilight years. And yeah, well, Sunday mornings are for relaxing, aren't they? Exactly, but these four likely lads from Liverpool... Just four crazy kids from Liverpool. Just decided, you know, fuck it. We've had a good innings. Let's end it by pissing off an old bloke by playing some music on his roof, bass jumping off his roof, and then fucking off. Yeah, and this poor Liverpudlian guy whose house they were on, I think there was a bit of history. He probably didn't remember, but I think at some point when they were kids, you know, when the band was was first formed... They kicked a football into his back garden and he wouldn't give it back. And, <laughs> yeah. and this was like their very long protracted revenge that they'd been sort of scheming about for all these years. He didn't really remember them. He no. didn't know who they were. You know, and they're singing all these songs like, ah, give us back our fucking football. <laughs> you know, singing and, and dancing around up there. He doesn't know what's going on. Senile at this point, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, he was so confused by the matter. And then, just as they were walking off, John just turns around and says, Hey, mister, can we have our ball back, please? And then he twigged it. He was like, fucking hell. That's that's little Johnny Lennon. <laughs> little Johnny Lennon, <laughs> live and in the flesh. Uh, they yeah. showed him, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they showed him. Yeah, he got owned. <laughs> and then they base jumped off for the last track, yeah. I mean, it wasn't much of a base jump. He only had a two-story house, council house in <laughs> Liverpool. Yeah, it was, a very, it was a very short track, I recall, that last one. <laughs> yeah. Like a second, two. Uh, well, they had parachutes on. It probably oh yeah slowed yeah. them a bit. They just jumped and then just as soon as the second they jumped, just pulled the parachute. <laughs> so they were uh, yeah. drifting downwards. Yeah. yeah, you get a whole Hey Jude in there if you wanted. Yeah, if it was a big parachute. Yeah. Famously, the bigger the parachute, the longer the fall. Oh yeah, there's some science going on there. Yeah. <laughs> So there we have it. I mean, that's, that was the end of the Beatles. But what a legacy. But what a legacy, yeah. I mean, considering they were just four crazy kids from just, Liverpool just, when they just, started just out. Just four likely lads <laughs> from Liverpool. And then for them to have uh, made such a career for themselves. And, and it wasn't the end. You know, they no. they all released music. It, none of it was as good as the Beatles. But no. They tried, bless them. Bless them, they did try, yeah. And some of it was pretty good. Yeah, some uh, of it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk more about them in future episodes. Well, yeah, I mean, the, their own lives after the Beatles can certainly be discussed, I'm sure, in future episodes. We won't bother with George, though, I mean, no. or Paul. No. Maybe Ringo, but definitely John. Maybe. Maybe none of them. Maybe none of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that's enough. That's all we need to say about the Beatles. I will just say, uh, as far as this us recording this episode goes... I've noticed that you've brought uh, a load of sheep in mm. and there's this kind of drenched, sodden Welsh girl standing at the back of the room kind of staring at me. Who's that, just out of interest? Shh, quiet, quiet, Yoko. That's not... It's not the same... That's got to be a different Yoko. I mean, it's the same one. I thought you wouldn't notice notice the sheep. I fastened their mouths, as you can probably tell. Yeah, well, I, smelt, them, I smelt them. You smelt them before you heard them or yeah. saw them. Yeah. Well, I just... I just wanted to add a bit of experimentation to these recording oh, sessions, God. Sean. I go. just thought it would really kind of like make these recording sessions interesting and, and a bit different and edgy. Why can't we just do like we've always done? 
boring, uninteresting, unfunny things that we've always done. Well, you know what? Tell you what. Why don't you record your bit in this room? I'll record my bit in the other room and we'll see how it goes. Well, actually, I suggested that from the start. Um, right, listener, I think we, 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 me and Birch have got some things to work out here. We'll just have to leave it at that. Yeah. So come on. Some tensions are arising, I can see. Yeah, yeah. This, this might be the last episode. We'll see. But let's not talk about that. But where can people catch us? Well, people can catch us. Uh, they can contact us via email, mailboxrogesgallery at gmail.com. They can contact us via Twitter at Mailbox Rogues. They can get us on YouTube, Podbean and iTunes. And we'd be grateful if they would leave a review and a rating. Yep. All goes to help making the podcast more popular and grow. Well, that's obviously if we don't uh, strangle each other out of frustration after the recording ends. Yeah. Now. Well, I uh, might not be able to uh, do any more recording sessions for, for a while. I've, I've booked a, a, a rite of passage to India. And I've got a trip to Sardinia coming up, actually. That works out. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll come back rejuvenated and uh, kind of enlightened. We'll negotiate on how many sheep we'll have at at any one point in the room. Compromise. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We'll we'll leave it at that. All right. Yoko, is that all right? She's nodding. She's nodding. nodding, Bless her. Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, it's goodbye from me, I'm sure. And it's goodbye from him. I'm Birch. (laughs) One less to wrap around a rooftop those sheep were the last straw I guess the band can't take it anymore John, I tried to stay into you But when we went to India I knew there was no getting back from here We had some real sweat times I got mistaken for Hitler Trapped in war crimes I may have been a clone But when we walked out in your restaurant I never felt alone go went to Spain Look at my train set It's such a lovely train set One last on rooftop You may see Four likely lads from Liverpool I'd just like to thank you on behalf of the group, and uh, I hope we pass the audition. I've got blisters on me fingers. Ringo, we told you to wear a bloody plaster before you started playing, mate. That's your problem, not ours.